0: You're listening
1: to Whoa! Hot luck,
2: And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club, a pop culture discussion podcast about all the good pop that gets us through our days. It is episode five on May 1st of 2020, and this episode is all about the new Netflix series Never Have I Ever. Uh, my name is Marvin Yur, and with me to discuss some good pop are self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just you. How's it going, Jess?
0: Hello, hello. It's almost, it's AAPI History Month, y'all. Air horns, air horns. Air... No, it should it be like a gong? Oh no, is that racist?
2: Uh, that's pretty racist.
0: But I'm Chinese. I mean, I guess it's
2: not as bad if we do it, but we don't want to feed into those stereotypes <laughs> on good pop here. Also joining us is culture editor Han Wen. How's it going, Han?
1: Hey, it's an honor just to be Asian.
2: Indeed. How are y'all doing? It's, uh, we made it through April. We are now officially into May, which is APA Heritage Month, which is the month where every single org tries to squeeze as much program as possible in the span of one month. And we'll touch about this a little bit later in my What's Popping segment because it's been all that my life has been over the last week. But yeah, how was April for all of you?
0: What is time anymore, Marvin? I don't know. It was fine? Question mark?
2: I felt like April went by really fast, even though every day felt like an eternity.
1: Yes, agreed. That's the paradox yes. of time, which is a flat circle from what I hear. It's
0: a Jeremy Bear Me, and we're all stuck in the eye. The dot <laughs> in the eye. The dot in the eye.
2: What does the dot mean?
0: It's never and always and also Tuesdays,
2: Well, as we head into our second full month of social distancing, um, let's find out what's been keeping us sane. Um, Han, what's been popping?
1: Well, uh, we may dig into this a little bit more later, but Ryan Murphy has a new Netflix series out called Hollywood. It's actually really cool because um, it's super glitzy and gorgeously produced, and it's set in 1940s Hollywood. However... The twist is it's a alternate reality sort of revisionist Hollywood. So you see a lot of the, the familiar names like Vivian Lee and like Rock Hudson and people like that. But then all of a sudden, the, the things that, we, you know, we know about, like, let's say, anime Mae Wong getting passed over for the good earth and, you know, stuff like that, all that kind of crappy stuff that happens we all of a sudden start getting a little bit more justice in this reality, and so it's very satisfying to see. Um, because the premise is basically that um, the, the studio called A Studios, um, the the head of it like becomes sick, and so his wife has to take over. And when she takes over, she greenlights a project that is super, like like uh social justice like all the representation that we can possibly want um for asian americans for black americans just for um for lgbtq and um it is a ryan murphy you know piece of course so there's tons and tons of sex also but um it it, it has a very modern like, language for the things that we think about versus, you know, back then in 1940s. You know, you, they'll say stuff like colored people, but then all of a sudden while you're watching, they start saying people of color. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting to... It, it's fun to see because it's great to have these, like, wins, even though it's in a fictional world that we, you know, we didn't go through this in the 1940s. We didn't get these wins. and um, And it's still, oddly enough... Very affecting. Like, you know how we were cheering and crying when Parasite won? It was kind of like that, watching it happen. And I, I, I was actually surprised that I was feeling so affected, but also sort of sad because, like, we didn't get this. Um, but it, it, it has a, some really, really, really good messages, and it's a miniseries, so it's, you know, closed story. I think it's well worth watching.
0: I think inadvertently... Ryan Murphy with his work and consistent collaboration with Darren Chris has is like now like one of the biggest allies of Asian American content.
1: You're so correct because like, there's no reason for him to be super Asian American, like pro Asian American, but you're right because Darren Chris is like half Filipino. It's become an issue, not an issue, but like become a talking point and an important issue in his other projects too, like when he was in, uh, was it Versace?
0: Yeah, the assassination of Gianni Versace. And I mean, I just, I think Ryan Murphy has like earned himself a perpetual invite to the dim sum on Sunday uh, for the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So here Darren Criss plays a movie director who is exactly like what he is now. He's, he's Hapa. He is a white passing half Filipino and he brings us up and it becomes an issue when he's talking to, let's say, Anna Mae Wong, and she's like, gives him issue, you know, like grief for, you know, that like, yeah, but you pass. Same with his girlfriend, who is black. Um, and so it's 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 great that it doesn't sort of gloss over that, but actually, you know, discusses it. Like you were able to become, you know, successful because of this. You didn't have to face the same things that everyone else does. That who looks foreign, like to those people who think Asians are foreigners. So yeah, it's 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 kinda of cool.
2: Yeah, I haven't I'm not as familiar with the Ryan Murphy canon. I have watched um like the um the OJ Simpson um True Crime, American, true crime? crime American Crime Story. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten to the Johnny Versace one. I haven't watched The Politician, and I wasn't really the biggest fan of Glee at the time. Like I was one of those guys who were like kind of wasn't actively shitting on it, but like was actively <laughs> refusing to watch it because everyone else loved it. But I feel like um just seeing the work that he's done, he's one of those producers who really does like let the fiction or let the characters inform the fiction and vice versa, and like really does his best to like to really embrace the diversity of his stories. And you really see that in how he casts his projects because like he could have very easily like the, the Gianni Versace series, he could have easily not have delved into the Filipino side of like um the murderous family. And then but he did that, and through that he was able to bring on like John John Briones and all Lisa the Briones,
1: yeah. He also started the Half Foundation which makes it which basically means that half of the people behind the scenes are also some sort of marginalized group. So it could be women, it could be people of color, it could be anyone in the queer community, it could be with disabilities, any of that stuff because, it, you know, he realized that he wasn't doing enough, basically. Um, and I find yeah. that really commendable. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Also, Janet Mock is a producer and a
0: director on Hollywood, so that's awesome that we're getting some representation behind the scenes as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. beyond just Pose, right? Because <laughs> she's been doing so much work lately, and I'm, I'm, I, she's fantastic. Also, like I just love talking to her. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love Pose too, but that's probably like another <laughs> podcast we could talk about at, Pose all episodes. Any
2: chance to like to educate people on Anna Mae Wong and her struggles? Like, I'm all, I'm all, justice for Anna like always.
1: Absolutely. Like <laughs> Michelle Kusik plays Anime Wong in this and it's great because they do address those issues that like I mean it, she really was groundbreaking for that time. Like there's Pioneer like uh, it was so ridiculous but there's a great moment where she's getting makeup done um, for a role and she's like I'm already Asian you don't have to make me look Asian and she's like getting <laughs> you know taking off the, like the eye makeup from the corners of her eyes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Now, Jess, uh, you mentioned Jeremy Barrremy earlier, so it just kind of dovetails into what's popping with you,
0: yeah, so as we're recording this on Thursday evening, the Parks and Recreation special has not come out yet, but I am very excited for that. Parks and Rec, which is in that same universe of you know a Mike sure the Mike sure m c cinematic universe I, I say this a lot uh, to my friends, but like. I would go to war for Mike Sure. Like if he was like, I want to start a country with the values that I, you know, talk about and exemplify in my shows. Uh, would would you sign up? I was like, yes, I would definitely sign up. I I will I will pilot a submarine or something. I don't know, but like I just love Mike Sher and his writing and his work. And Parks and Rec is my favorite show of all of them. Um, it's just. And to see them again in. So so, to prepare for this, I've also just kind of been rewatching Parks and Rec, which ended, I guess, in like 2015, 2014. So a few years ago. And my God, what a different world. (laughs) It's just so it's so bizarre and it's comforting and bizarre at the same time to rewatch this. And I actually rewatched the episode where Leslie is in charge of an emergency drill where uh, bird flu has broken out in the city of Pawnee. Um, and she has like an action plan for everything. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, it hurts a little bit. But at the same time, I'm like, man, even if Leslie No was running, we probably wouldn't have voted for her. Not we, but you know, she probably wouldn't have won because the lady in a pantsuit. Yeah. So uh, a lot of feelings, but very excited for the special tonight which apparently is happening all on zoom but of all the specials this almost makes the most sense leslie nope would definitely be checking on her friends via zoom every single day
2: so it's all gonna be in character i think
0: it's all gonna be in character and And it's gonna
2: be like in real time so like it's them like five years later
0: i think so yeah well at some point leslie becomes president so I don't know in in the in the Parks and Rec universe right Leslie becomes president yeah. so I don't know
2: Yeah <laughs>
0: if she's hit that point quite yet in in, like, where we are right now in this well, timeline? Well, we
2: do know Ben's running for Congress, so it's got to be after ben,
0: that. Ben won for Congress, Ben won Congress, and then Le- they were both deciding okay. who was going to run for governor. And then Leslie, oh. ben, ben basically, um, I won't say loud, but I think that, you know, as a couple, it, the show's about Leslie, so she has to run for governor, right? It's not the Ben Wyatt <laughs> show. And then, but then in the That's flash true. forward during Larry, Ga- Jerry, Gary's funeral... <laughs> They're surrounded by Secret Service. So one of them is is president. president. But again, the show's Parks and Rec. It's about Leslie. So I assume she's the one who's president. And if only I could live in that world. Marvin, what's popping with you?
2: Nothing. Nothing's been popping because an entire week has been dedicated to preparing for APAM, I am helping produce a ton of digital panels and and programming for both visual communications and for collaboration and for artists at play. So, like, the only thing I've actually watched this whole week has been Never Have I Ever, which we're talking about in our feature segment. And I binged that in, like, a night. It was so good. So good. But, um... Well, yeah. APAM could be popping It is. It's, you, it's, like it's the, the only month, thing that's popping prep. for me. So um, I wanted to just take this time to I guess, chill a little bit about what's coming up. Uh, so the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival was supposed to start today as we're recording. Opening night was supposed to be the 30th of April. Um, it's like one of the two biggest Asian American focused uh, film festivals in, in the nation. It's, um, it's VC's uh, LA Asian Pacific Film Festival and CAM's CAMFest um and because of covid we had to postpone so but you know because of covid we also have all this time and this ability to take the programming national so um, over the next few weeks um it's a very aggressive schedule vc will be coordinating a bunch of digital showings you know of short films of feature films starting with an advanced screening of asian americans which is the documentary the pbs documentary about asian american history they also have um They'll have the world premiere of a documentary called First Vote um, next Tuesday. Um, they're doing a bunch of shorts and, and a lot of panels and programs. So I've, I've been helping them out with coordinating the the um, digital panels that they'll be doing, helping them with running the live stream and producing the um, producing those conversations. And um, yeah, if, if people are interested, they should check out the website, vcmedia.org slash virtual. Yeah, excited to help them bring out more stuff. But because of that, I've been just swamped in like um and um y'all know it's, it's it's a busy time for Asian Americans um uh, because we have a month we feel like we all have to like put all of our efforts into making this month as packed as possible
0: <laughs> yeah we only exist in this month
2: yeah so um that's what's popping with me check out apam um i think Angry Asian Man and Jeff Yang are putting together a unified calendar of all the events happening it's yeah uh,
0: it's hosted on Angry Asian Man i think it's already up and of course it's will be continually updated so Check it out.
2: Yeah. Speaking of Asian Heritage Month, um, this month is really great for Asian American stories on screen. Um, Yes, it is. Um, I guess we can move on to uh, what we're really here to talk about this week, which is Never Have I Ever, the new Netflix um, teen rom-com. Would you call it a rom-com? Yes. Rom-com, coming of age. Yeah. It's
1: coming of age rom-com. And 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 then Mindy Carey just honestly mainly does rom com. Yeah, she's, she's the so queen reddit. of the rom
0: com yeah. and subverting the expectations and presenting a really new perspective on it. I love as a, an unashamed, proud rom com fan. Not even a fan, a stan. Yeah. I love
1: it, and and specifically a teen rom com fan because honestly, like some of my favorite films are like. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. I recently just rewatched. Oh, I love it. it. And and you know, of course, I when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, how great it was. So white. I mean, like, <laughs> I think Gabriel Union was like underutilized as a best friend, and it wasn't until like Bring It On that you know she got to get something. So like something like this. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Yeah. It's um. So it's uh written by uh, Mindy Kaling and
0: Lang Fisher. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Who they also teamed up together for mini project, right?
1: Yeah, Lang was great because um, I think I interviewed her once for mini project. She did the episode where um, Ryan Hansen plays the white guy who who is basically Mindy Kaling. She wakes up in the morning and she's a white guy, <laughs> and it happens to be Ryan Hansen. It's the best episode. Um. And yeah, so you well, you know, watch that. It was, like the last season, but like ever since then, I was like, okay, Lang Fisher, you're pretty funny. Yeah,
2: I'll admit I have not seen a single episode of the mini project, and I <gasps> feel shame about that. I do, but um, should. I should. It's on. It's on Hulu now, right? I, I, sh- I should go watch yep. Yes,
0: the entire series <laughs> is on Hulu. It's great, but yeah, no, I think as far as teen rom com, the teen rom com genre, this was a very nice injection of. 21st century, you know, perspective. Um, It's based off of Mindy Kaling's own childhood and time in high school, but she used experience to translate it to a modern day high school experience. So there's things like texting and TikTok. There's a really funny opening about her trying to do a TikTok dance with her friends to attract the attentions of her love interest paxton yoshida hall perfect name for the hot high school guy um, and then her mom like makes her put on a sweater because she thinks the dress is too revealing um and i'm like you know as a almost 30 year old woman i still kind of do that so i appreciate the uh you know making like thirst trap videos so i appreciate the representation there
2: the main character, Davey, of course, is played by newcomer Maitrey Ramakrishnan, who... This was an open casting call, right? Like, she had to beat out, like, thousands of kids to, like, get this role?
0: Yes, and she's Canadian.
2: What, what? My yeah, people.
0: so you got...
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if basically you're going to be playing baby Mindy Kaling, you have to have a lot of, like, swag and attitude and just be also very fun. And I think she embodies that. Like, I, I started out, I'm like, okay... Who is this girl? She doesn't sound like Mindy. But then by the end, you definitely get that sort of same spirit and light because, she, you know, Mindy Kaling, what you know about her and also even from the Mindy Project, which is kind of like her, too, is, you know, she's smart and she's with it and ambitious, but she's also totally fun and horny and all this other stuff. And so you're seeing this in a like a 14, 15 year old girl. Um, and it's kind of she, amazing. Yes.
0: No, she's. The, all I love about this character of Davy, and just all these characters that Mindy Kaling writes um, for her. You know, as a proxy of herself or a version of herself, is they're always very smart. and They're not ashamed of like they know it, and they're not ashamed of it, which I think is something to be said. Because you know, there's always this whole adage of like, oh, she's pretty, but she doesn't know it. I think that's a very common rom com teen girl trope, or like, oh, she's like, she's actually really like, you know, she's. Like you know, typically where it's like oh sweet or like N- actually nice or like a kind hearted and I'm not saying Davy isn't but you know her defining factors are she's she has some great zingers uh, when her and Ben fight Ben is her eternal rival both academically and in the extracurriculars for getting to college when her and Ben fight and she ends up like saying she wishes he was exterminated by the Nazis. And that leads to a whole nother thing. I'm like, Oh
1: my God, this show. Yeah. She goes, and this character. Places, yeah. She I says the yeah, like, wrong things and it's great.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Davy starts out as kind of like, like, you know, we learn why eventually, but like a walking disaster person.
1: Yeah. She's kind of selfish in a lot of ways. And I mean, I, I think in general, like we were saying with the teen rom-coms, especially, uh, they're characters don't always get the time to be fully dimensionalized. And that's why I love having a series versus just a movie to develop this character, because you can definitely get to see all the bad things she does. And there are moments where you're like wincing, but at the same time, they're like, yeah, I would totally say that to my mom, you know, in a fit of peak or something like that, or after that happened. And you, you can forgive her for that because it's actually feels very real. Um, and 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 I do yeah, and I do like the whole like fun, bad, and you know selfish side of this person who is nerdy and and ambitious because like I remember when I was in high school, I think I went to was it high school or whatever. I went to like Ashed World, which is our Six Flags in Houston, Texas, and with some girls, and they were just like, "I thought you just would like to read at home all day," and I'm just like, "Wait, it, it, why do you have to just be this binary?" <laughs> You know, like, and that's what it—that's what I really liked about this. Um, I keep saying movie, the series. It's like every single character is really cool. Um, there's never yeah, one dimension. In their own to way, that. you get to learn the other sides of them. Um, even Tatsunori <laughs> Ishida, who is the hot guy. Who? Okay, so so we're talking about like Hapa, right? So he's half Japanese, the character and the actor, and he actually does kind of have that sort of passing look because he kind of looks like James Franco. <laughs> But, <laughs> yes, but, right, and the, um, but he, but what I love about him is that his character is written to have so much uh, like a sense of humor about, first of all, just the way he's portrayed, you know, because he's like. The, the dream sequence where he like basically takes his shirt off using one hand at, in one second. I'm like, I've replayed that so many times, not just to look at his chest, but just like, how did you do that
2: magic trick? Which is okay, because um, even though he plays a 16, 17 year old, he's actually 29. I checked, 29. he's
0: 29, that's <laughs> fine.
1: He's fine I checked so I checked I like thirst. pretty early and all. I was like how that, gross well, the, should that was like, I feel well that was like to all the boys when everyone was thirsting after Noah Centineo you know it's kind of like everyone checked that age right there um <laughs> but yeah so it but it was great because it's like he is the hot jock who is initially seen kind of like airheady and just like you know after women sleeping with him but but then later on like I don't want to get too much into spoilers until we do but um you do get to learn a lot more about him, and I actually ended up liking him along with Ben when we learn more about him. He's right. not just the rival <laughs> right. nemesis. Right. You talk
2: about right. um, Paxton being like young Asian James Frankel. like Ben to me was just young Zachary Levi. Like I couldn't unsee that.
1: Oh
0: yeah, he does look like Zachary Levi. That, but... Oh man, he, it's between between Zachary Levi, Levi and, and uh, Jason Andy
2: Samberg had a baby oh. together.
1: But yeah, which you, okay. You, okay, yes, yeah, we get where we're, go- we're going with the Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so I ended yeah. up also liking Ben because I, you know, I found him really, really irritating at first because I'm just like, just because you guys are rivals doesn't mean you have to be a dick. Um, and I don't
2: know. Have you ever had an academic rival? You kind of have to be a dick. Well,
1: okay. <laughs> Seeing as how I was, I, I was, I am a twin. Um, <laughs> you know, my academic rival was my brother but um we didn't actually compete we just happened to always be compared that was the problem Mm. so uh so yes my
0: academic rival in high school it was like a lot more subtle like you would never go out and like like seem like you were trying to one-up them because that was like gauche and uncouth but you know like on subtextually you'd be like oh like what score did you get like you would find out like "Mm, okay cool or it's like oh like you both run for the same position this you know an academic extracurricular club and you're
1: like okay did you have to team up with her at one point
0: no i never did well because i was like a weird kid i was like very academically inclined but actually i'm i'm part eleanor so being in drama for a lot actually (laughs) puts you in this weird world of like like non-ap kids and you're just like oh my god there's there's kids who don't want
1: to go to college. Oh, so yeah. That, so yeah. let's talk about Eleanor and Fabiola. The, yeah, because that the was friends. the coolest thing. It's like a trio of, of girls of color, nerdy girls of color. And they're all like, yeah, they're all they're different very types
2: well- of nerds, though, right? You have like um, one that's into robotics science robotics, nerd, the one that's in the super drama nerd, drama, nerd. and the drama. They one
0: got that, that 100% the- correct, <laughs> by the way, that that energy.
2: How did you feel about her uh, hooking up with Tech Crew?
0: You know what? Good for her. Um, I I never did. I was more in... Like, like no one would, would touch me in a high... Like, in high school, nobody would touch me with, like, a 10-foot pole. So um. I'm like, you go, Eleanor. But, yeah, it, it's kind of like... Why not? You know, you're both in dark spaces all the time. That's actually really efficient and smart when I think about it.
2: Fabiola was a really great character too. I really like. I was. I wish we had more. And I know that the story is about Davy and her life and her struggles, but I really enjoyed like when the camera was off of her as well because they. I think the show did a really good job of fleshing out its like periphery characters so that you're like kind of invested in their stories as well.
0: I think the narrator even makes a point, and we should talk about the narrator, <laughs> which was an amazing. Choice, but I think the narrator even at one point goes like, "But what's happening with Davy isn't as interesting as what's happy, <laughs> happening with Fabiola and her family." I was like, "Yeah, that's true," and I think it makes it makes us understand like I, we relate to Davy and her trauma and the sadness and depression she's going through, but we also recognize, yeah, she's being incredibly selfish. Like her friends are also going through these incredibly hard times in their lives because we get to spend time with them and we get to see them, and um, you know, like I think that really evens the playing field in a really smart way
2: yeah i was so glad to actually get one whole episode on ben that was really that was unexpected i wasn't expecting that
0: i will say though i don't know if you have 10 episodes i don't know if i would have preferred an episode focusing only on ben as much as i enjoyed the actual you know episode and the writing and the narrator in that episode but you know i don't know if i would have preferred <laughs> like an episode just on her mom or her mom it's and a her good dad. point because mm. i
1: did Although it was very enjoyable episode and they are good at developing the outside characters, I do feel like as soon as it started, I was like, do we need an episode on the white guy? Um, because the rich white guy. Right, because yeah. even if they focused, let's say, on Paxton, that would have made more sense because he is Hoppa. His dad is apparently Asian, as his friend didn't realize even though he's seen him. Um, yeah, his sister, you know, is always being made fun of. Um, at at, at mm-hmm. and and also develops like see fashions for, um, for Davy to wear, and I just felt like there's so much story there that I was more interested in, and you know the Ben episode was good and fun and great, but I didn't need it. Um, yeah,
2: well, we should talk about Davy's family because they're they're a big part of the story and like really the heart of the story. Yes, like her relationship with her mother and of her father, who like I don't think they really. Do they tease this in the trailer that like she's like coming off like a really recent death of her father?
1: I think I had read about it somewhere before I even watched it, so it must have been out there. It yeah. wasn't that really a, much of a spoiler, but her dad, played by Sundar Ramamurthy, of uh,
0: who
2: like the internet is going crazy. Who for is, right now. is?
1: It's I mean, it's that's not fair.
0: You can't <laughs> you can't give me. I've been in quarantine for like six something <laughs> weeks. My boyfriend is across the country. Yeah, I. You can't give me hot Asian dad likes. And he's so, (laughs) he is so charming. He's, he's definitely winning, you know, the Heat Check Award. Just like barely gets lines. (laughs) Is in like probably overall just a few minutes of the entire series. And you totally
2: understand. Every scene with him.
0: Yeah. No, you totally understand. Every scene
2: with him is like. Why
0: their family is falling apart.
2: Yeah. Like every scene with him is just so full of like, it's like a perfect mix of joy, but also sadness because you realize that like yeah like like you said, Jess, he was the glue that kept his family together because um you know he's like he balanced his wife and his daughter
0: well, the funny thing, and we've talked a little bit about this offline Marvin is that Davy and her mother are actually so similar, she definitely gets more from her mom than her dad, um and I think that's why they're butting heads all the time, and as someone who has also like butted heads with her mother through high school um because we're so similar i can definitely relate that that it's 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 funny they they both miss him and they both miss that levity and that love and that kindness that he brought into their family um but neither of them right now are really capable of giving it to each other which is so tragic um but i mean where does davy get her brashness her ballsiness her stubbornness you know her like go get it and like screw it I'm gonna do it like it's from her mom yeah Yeah,
1: her dad is just far too sunshiny for the types of you know like passion that we've seen and and it's in a way I mean I guess we can talk about the narrator at this point but in a way that's why I think he was as a character drawn to the narrator who is John McEnroe (laughs) that Um, was so yeah it feels so random (laughs) but he's like a fiery You know, Tennis Pro, I remember watching him get, you know, into his little rants and, like, tantrums and stuff like that. And that does eventually make more sense to have him narrate the show as the show goes along. Um, But also, for me, well, there are a few moments where I've, felt a little squicked out i gotta be honest having this old white man narrate you know this life of this teenage girl and her trying to hook up with you know i don't know i I thought it was
2: the gift that kept on giving because it just offered so i love you you, you mentioned this in our group chat like having john McEnroe talk like speak gen z slang was like the best (laughs) it was the
0: best like the fit was on fleek i was like oh my god i can't believe john Mac. i just like in my head, I cut to John McEnroe in a studio recording booth somewhere, going, "I don't know what the hell I'm saying, but sure." And I love good. that you can it kind was of like, hear his voice sometimes, which yeah. is really funny.
2: <laughs> and I love that it was like because sometimes it's like the narrator is a, like you know the Ron Howard in um, in Arrested Development is just a narrator being a character, but not not being Ron Howard. Like this was John McEnroe as John McEnroe Actually, as McEnroe. Davies internal monologue. Well, or to me, it made a lot of story, yeah.
0: thematic sense because, I mean, Mindy Kaling has got on record, and she talks about this in her book, that she credits part of her success in that she has always thought of herself, and her parents taught her to think of herself as a white dude, in that, why shouldn't she deserve this? Like, this like a, like entitlement in like the pro sense of like why don't i deserve this job why don't i deserve this raise like i deserve this i should get it i can get this um so i think that has translated in a sense to davy you know and her ambition and her like ruth her ruthless ambition which i really so I, to me it actually makes a weird amount of sense that john McEnroe is in her internal m- monologue um but that like <laughs> kind of anger and rage and entitlement is something we don't typically see from teenage portrayed with teenage girls, let alone in a positive way or in a, you know, in a funny, warm way. Usually it's like, oh, you're a, like a savage, psychopathic teenage girl. You're like you're a Regina George and like, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that is her inner monologue. And it's part of who she is, that rage and that, that, that like she just wants she's just ready to like davy's just ready to fight all the time (laughs) you know (laughs) she could like very easily have diffused or de-escalated conversations but you know as a 15 year old girl with too many emotions which i was i in many ways and still am a 15 year old girl with too many emotions and who runs whose default emotion is anger um (laughs) i really did appreciate that
2: yeah and i mean the central the central story of this the series is how like it's her journey of grief, right? The reason why she wants a new start, the reason why she wants to like be cool and like be someone different is because of like, like she's processing or not processing the grief of losing her father, who was like her anchor in this world.
0: And just, and I thought it was really not just the grief, but how that has become her defining trait to other people. So when she's talking to the college, guy white white rod white husband ron um, who who who, who's like a college consultant for for high school kids
2: i was half expecting him to be revealed as like a one of those like like fraud college people
0: maybe we don't know know that he ain't Yeah, but but you know, and he's asking her. He's like, "Oh, your story's great. Like, your dad died, and you are paralyzed. Use that." She's just like, and she refuses to. You know, for someone who <laughs> we know that her main goal in life is to get into an Ivy League school right now, um, and the fact that she won't even use her dad's death and the resulting paralysis to get the very thing she wants the most is is I think really telling as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know what I think is interesting is what do you think about this? Because this is actually is in a lot of teen rom-coms, but because we've been getting more Asian American teen rom-coms, I've definitely noticed this trend of, um, the dead parent because, so for example, right now, the thing I'm kind of tired of is even though we can't leave it behind is a lot of the older generation, American Asian American stories are about war trauma, but now with this new generation, Gen Z, um, they're not touched by the war trauma stories quite as much, but it seems like they do have the dead parent a lot. You know, it was in To All the Boys, um, in the half of it, which, you know, is also going to be on Netflix. Um, and this, and some, you know, there's some other stories. Uh, but it, I've, I'm, I, I always wonder about, like, and this is, this happens in a lot of, actually, not just teen, but, like, children's literature, too, and children's projects and stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it. It is also like a trope, right? Like a lot of stories start with a death, and how like coming of age stories, and like a lot of them start with having the main character put off kilter by like a death in the family or a death of a close like friend or relative.
1: I mean, I wouldn't change this show because I, I love it so much, but I just think it's an interesting yeah trope trend that they that continues.
0: Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's been a common theme in all storytelling i mean every disney movie right (laughs) but i do like the fact that they're actually exploring what that means instead of just using that as a plot device or like not addressing it at all or or assuming that it doesn't affect the child at all yeah
2: and expertly using nisi nash as like the therapist
0: oh she's great but she dies in i don't know if you guys watch uncorked but she spoiler alert she dies in uncorked
1: yep Yep. i watched that
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's I think a lot of the tropes, you know, in the hero's journey, right? You lose your mentor, and in maybe more grounded stories, like who's who's your mentor? Right? It's it's your parents, it's your mom or your dad, and yeah, maybe that's and then, I mean, Mindy and Lang are both writing for personal experience. So Mindy lost her mother rather unexpectedly from ovarian cancer, I believe, and I believe Lang Fisher also lost a parent relatively early. So that's something they also wanted to explore. And then he has this really great interview with Terry Gross on Fresh Air, if you want to check that out.
2: Yeah. I
1: would like to see a whole family at some point, though.
0: You
2: know? <laughs> we got that in Fresh Off the Boat, though. A whole six seasons of it. not
1: a rom-com, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <that's true. laughs>
2: uh, wh- I mean, there's still another member of the family, too, which who is Kamala, who is uh, Davy's cousin, right?
1: Yeah, Davy's cousin, yes. who is... Very Indian or so how – that's how she sort of puts it because she's like the model Indian daughter who her mother never had. So, you know, she's, she's a good student. She's She agrees to, you know, this uh, meeting uh, for an arranged marriage and all this other stuff. And so she – and she doesn't, you know, like embarrass her mother at in any way. Um, yeah, she's until- like –
2: yeah, she's like dutiful but also like she's like your classic example of like when someone comes to the states and you're like kind of unshackled from the conservative values of your homeland like she does want to be her own person too and she wants to pursue a career cuz she's she's in town to go to Caltech um to be uh yeah, getting
0: her PhD yeah. From Caltech, uh, which is just like, of course, driving like the stake even further to Davey, uh, which I mean, we all have that cousin who your family likes to compare you to. <laughs> Maybe some of us are blessed enough to be that cousin. Mm. Uh, I know I am definitely not. Marvin, <laughs> are you the cousin?
2: No, I am. I'm the second youngest of my generation and I have multiple cousins who went to Ivy's and.
0: Got it. Yeah, I have like an engineer cousin who's like marrying a dentist. So I think he's got that on lock right now. <laughs> yeah, I am not. that cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're all
1: in the arts and entertainment. Yeah, field, and So I'm obviously, unmarried. we are not that cousin. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: I also live but, in
1: a different state from my family. So that's definitely mm. really bad. But um, uh, I- are we going to spoilers now?
2: Um, yeah, from this point on, we can probably rip the spoiler tag on. I did want to say, um, I love that we learn more about Kamala and how she is like rebelling in her own way. Because she does have a secret boyfriend.
1: Alright, so spoilers. <laughs> Let's talk about the secret boyfriend and also... Yeah. Um, so-, so this
2: point on, spoilers are on the table. Um, if you haven't watched Never Have I Ever, this is the point to push pause. Go watch it and then come back and listen to us um, talk about... The twists and turns of the, the plot secret so boyfriend. i gotta uh, yes yeah,
0: so yeah kabla has a secret boyfriend played by my boy eddie Lou. his yeah, name is steve and he's dumb and i love him he's, oh
2: he's like he's, smart dumb he's right? Smart
0: dumb. <laughs> right, 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 yes right, right. he's smart dumb he's so sweet um he's smart, then, but clueless. You know, sp- again spoiler I mean, land we're in spoiler land she does end up dumping him which Makes a hundred percent sense, but thing, man, poor Steve.
2: The thing is, I'm firmly on Team Steve, um, but my man also like thinks Olive Garden and Cheesecake Factory are. Good I don't know, man. It. I mean, Prashna,
0: her 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 would be fiance is like really really hot he's not um, an
1: Ugo as Davey says he's
0: not an and he's actually very sweet and seems understanding and supportive of what she wants out of life um and of that, what seems to like value you know what she can bring to the table beyond the you know that she can cook cook and clean so I mean I also have a thing for like the beautiful my beautiful brown brothers so I don't know it's a <laughs> it's a toss-up
1: Steve I feel for but I don't ultimately think that they belong together and I think it is exactly the point when she got to realizing that he wasn't right either was he was just trying too hard in a way that didn't wasn't natural.
2: He got clingy. They didn't. Well, it's not even just
1: just (laughs) clingy, but clingy to the level that it, they didn't know each other that well at that point. And then, yeah, they've been three dating for three months. Yeah. They've been just making out and then he wanted (laughs) to bring it to the next level. And that was probably like that point, the red flag where she realized, no, 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 no. Like, you are good for what we've been having. We don't need to level it up. And now that you've been trying, that really shows me that that didn't quite work out. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I feel for him. But at the same time, like, if they didn't have, th- if they weren't pushed to this point, if the, uh, what's his name? Is it Prashan? Yeah, if he didn't come to America to be arranged or whatever, meet her, then, you know, she and Steve could have, like, Kept on with their like out relationship for several more months, but you know who knows after that, what would have happened? Mm.
2: I did really enjoy Kamala's character. I love that she um, she was inspired to rebel against her family by watching sixteen hours of Riverdale.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean if, of all the shows to watch for uh, the idea of a regular American life, Riverdale is like the 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 most. I don't know homoerotic and crazy <laughs> and like shirtless of them all. It's so great. It's kind of like the Melrose Place, I guess, of uh, this era.
2: <laughs> they definitely go meta and say like, "How are all these teens so hot?"
1: Yeah, and the sh- yeah. and then never have I ever is just full of hot people. So, <laughs> oh
2: my right, god,
0: next. is this the time where we uh, talk about all the love interests and objectify how hot they are, or is that like another podcast? Yeah, I mean, go for this it. This is.
2: This is our time to, where I can ask you two, are you team Paxton or team Ben?
0: (sighs) Team Paxton.
1: That is hard. I I have to say at this point, Paxton, because I, here's the thing. We got the episode on Ben. We didn't get the episode on Paxton. I do think there's a lot more to him that we haven't gotten to know and what has been shown I like so far. And, you know, like when she defends Paxton to her mom, she's like, He's not dumb, and it's true he's not dumb. But the thing is, he has been able to coast, and so he hasn't reached whatever potential in any way. He hasn't shown any of that um, mm. beyond obviously his physical prowess.
2: <laughs> I love that this series has like the two, like two different YA tropes in their love interests. Right? You have your your slow burn, like um, acquaintances to romantic interests in. The paxton and davy relationship and, and then you, then you have, have the
0: worst f- enemy to 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 biggest love yes yes i do enjoy <laughs> both it's
1: and 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 worst enemy ben like in his defense you know he because they share so much in common um i i think there is a native understanding of certain things about what what makes her tick but also he does end up listening to her and being thoughtful of her and he you know the, the the thing that makes her finally kiss him at the end um is because he's devoted extra time because he, to her for something that was very important to her which is you know spending time with her family to scatter her father's ashes he knows how important that is and so for him to like like drive scary on the freeway
2: that was a great scene <laughs> yeah. I Which would have been is so true too, in like. high school.
1: I would not have done that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he put his life at risk. He, you know, he did. Uh, he sacrificed quite a bit for her to have that moment. And that's very affecting. That's touching.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I guess I would be more, I don't know what team I'm on.
1: Well, well let me
0: clarify. They're both for, right
2: and wrong for yeah. her in different, for different reasons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> let me clarify. For Davey, I'm team neither. She honestly just needs to work on herself, focus on her family and dealing with her grief, um, you know, and yeah, like, let's be real. Neither of these is going to be a long term forever thing. She's going to go to Princeton or somewhere and there's going to be a turkey drop at some point um, because, you know, that's how life works. But I personally am Team Paxton. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He just reminds me so much of my high school crush. Like that, not like the real crush I had, but you know, that unobtainable like hot guy in high school. And I went to a predominantly Asian high school. So he was also Asian and a star athlete. And I just also happened to like have had, we went to like the same elementary school. So I like had a crush on him from like when I was like, I literally saw him in kindergarten. I was like, you're attractive. Not in those words, because I was five, <laughs> but, like, just this, like, weird, like, pining for, like, decades, almost, like, like, almost, like, a decade and a half, like, so, like, that hit me. And when Davy, you know, actually got, you know, the, the Asian girl, nerd, intense girl, nerd proxy, got the guy, I was like, you know, I support this.
2: That scene where he was driving her home from the party was, I thought was really, like, that, was that well could have done. been from, like, an indie movie. That like was that, so way well was done. Shot. It, it yeah. is...
1: A beautifully shot and produced TV show, also that's a good point. And yeah, and that that scene I think was very sweet because you could you could feel they made it. You knew there was something coming. Um, there was tension. There was promise in the air, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that also led to a kiss. I like his awakening to how he starts to realize that she's actually very cool. Yeah, and that he likes her. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they they definitely build up like his character as someone who does. Take care of people right like when whenever Davy gets hurt, which is a lot in this show, he's always the first person to like help her up, which some people show as exhibit a and y he P-pastin drives her with. i mean he
0: is always <laughs> he is always there for her and is very kind to her, you know when she gets eaten by a when coy- when she gets attacked by a coyote. <laughs> and when she is, oh, which was great, uh, when she, or when she falls into the pool and like he he drives her home, and you know I think I think the initial expectation, especially because we're introduced into like he you know he essentially o- accepts her offer of unattached sex, and you're kind of like oh like is this going to be another skeevy guy? But like after that scene, he never he never pushes that. He never. You know, he's not the initiator. He's actually quite respectful of all that. And like the boundaries he sets, he never like pushes her further when she says she has to go home.
1: He's just like, OK, like so I thought that was interesting way to go about his character. And, you know, it's also sort of the flipping the trope, which is the high school guy who lies about sleeping with, you know, the girl. Mm-hmm. She lies about sleeping with him. Yeah. And he he she draws that line where like um, that's not cool. And, and, and I think, you know, he says that also, and initially that's why he said, you know, we shouldn't actually eventually have sex because it's kind of got weird between us. It's because, you know, he did actually start building some sort of friendship with her. Um, and I, I, I there's there's a lot for me that I think that they, they could explore. Um, I want a season two, like, right away with the... Pandemic right now. Who knows what production looks like? But man, like I before they yeah. all get too much older looking.
0: Yeah, I would love to. I would love an episode to see his whole family yeah. together and how their his dad works. I want to
1: see his. his yeah, yeah I want to see who, who who should
0: we cast as Mr. Oh, Yoshida? So many I mean, choices.
2: I mean, you a have your go-to dad. dads. Who James Saito probably James said, or... James
0: said might be a little too old
1: to play dad yeah, at yeah, this yeah. point. Mm. He should be someone because um, like they're in 40s. high school. Oh,
2: That's true. Yeah. Maybe like a William Lee type, or like a Daniel
1: Day Kim. No, um, someone Japanese. Uh, I don't know. Whatever hot dad. Like, yeah. cuz we'll continue.
0: I mean, the trend of yeah. hot dads. Yes, this, this, this give me another hot, hot dad. dad. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. In in college, I used to go to this park where a lot of like hot Asian dads would like walk their kids with the carriage, and I just like sit there, <laughs> not alone. Like usually out there because of like. I didn't specifically go to sit at this park, but when I happened to be at this park, I would. There was just all these like hot dads. I'm like, this is not fair.
2: Mm. So, a big part of the latter half of the series is also the unraveling of um, Davy's friendship with um, with Fabiola and with Eleanor. As um, I guess my question for you, too, since I don't really have a a girl group of friends. Um, how how was that handled? <laughs>
0: We're
1: your you girl know? group, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, I did say that this was going to unlock your inner teenage, you know, girl, Marvin. Mm. So, I think it's it's such a smart thing in this show to address the fact that like friendships, especially when you get older, can't just be based on like liking the same ice cream flavor anymore. That it is based on like emotional bonds, and if you're not there for each other for those things that's when you know the, these friendships can break down and um and she, so she's first of all never really been honest about how with herself even about like her her mourning for her father but then also not honest with her friends that she's still affected and that she doesn't want to be first of all identified as the you know the one whose dad died but also not identified as the girl who like became paralyzed 3 months after that like not 4 3 months um after his death and 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 it's because like that was a physical trauma that it manifested her grief but once she was over it she wanted to push it all behind her and mm. and and so that of course is what leads her to start lying about Paxton Hall Yoshida and sleeping with him because she wanted to change the narrative, and because of that, I think she just continued to keep on with this sort of fantasy, and she wasn't seeing that her friend Fabiola was dealing with her own coming out story, and that Eleanor, you know, was having mom issues um, and was not there for them, and because she, she, you know the few times that like she kept breaking down their friendship was because the Paxton issue. And it's because she's running away. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really, really liked how they did that. Because I was like, even when I was watching it, and I was like, you know, I, I see where the temptation is, but you really should have gone to your front.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it really seemed like Paxton was like her, like, became her new anchor, right? In the absence of her father. Like, No, he her became her distraction.
0: I think is the difference. An anchor mm. and anchor is a good thing. An anchor, you know, holds you down when things get rough. But Paxton and it's not Paxton's fault, you know, it's really on Davy and the yeah. choices she made. Um and, and I mean it's it was right. only eight, her friends like, would have been her
2: anchor, right?
0: Yeah, her friends would have been her anchor, but I think at that I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's a it's a female thing or an immigrant or children of an immigrant thing, but there's this or maybe an intersection of all three. But I think there was this. There's this pressure to just move on, to move forward. I think Davy feels that on herself. Um, I think her mom is also feeling the same thing. Because you would not know in the first scenes, you know, when they're having dinner, they're interacting. Like for most most of the series, you don't even realize like they're going through this huge loss. Like they're trying to proceed as things are normal. And the more they try to hide it, the worse it gets. And to the point where Davy's mom is considering moving back to India. You know, which is pretty big. Shift without talking to Davey about it at first at all, Um, and I I don't know if it's a. I don't even know if it's an Asian thing, right? Like an Asian thing. It's just like dealing. Like Mm. you don't talk about sadness. Like you can experience two things. Like happiness is fine. Gratefulness. You should definitely be grateful. You should always be grateful to your parents and the sacrifices they made and the opportunities you have and everything. And you can feel anger to a certain point. Even anger is more acceptable, but sadness or Depression, and I think this show does a really interesting job of talking about mental health. I wish they had gone a little deeper, um, but the fact that Davy is therapy isn't therapy um, is surprising to me. I think they probably only put her like in my head. They only put her in there because she had this psychosomatic paralysis. Right, only when it became physical did it really become a problem. And her mother is very obviously very worried about that happening again, but she's only worried that she'll become paralyzed again and not really understanding mm-hmm. the mental trauma or not really considering the mental trauma. I mean, the uh, she ends up going to the therapist's office herself and like you know saying therapy's for white people and like not really believing it. Probably putting her her in there because the doctors told her to do it. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think that I, I, w- I would love to see more of a deep dive into mental health and what the expectations around mental health are around for Asian women in all ages.
2: Yeah, there's that one episode where they do the... um puja Yeah, the Ganesh puja, where it's all about keeping up appearances with the aunties. Mm-hmm. And you can see that it's, it's not just an internal family-like kind of thing. It's just, in general, your community... And and this is something we see in I don't know if like it's definitely an Asian thing, but also in like, just just communities in general. Like I'm sure there's like a white version of this, there's a waspy version of this, where like how you act like it's like, you know, like Austin esque like British society, right? How you act in public.
0: And and like, how you act in public and propriety is always, always harsher and stricter for women than it is for men. Because women are always seen as the bearers and the protectors of the culture. And so if
1: they're acting out, oh, no, it's a problem. (laughs) There there is something, though, like you were saying, um, because they call them the aunties. But also in other Asian cultures, we also use the honorifics of relatives, uncles Mm and aunts, for people Mm -hmm. who are not related to us. And I think that creates a general bigger sense community that we are not individuals that we are... That's why we must follow the rest of the um, the group because they're, you know, they're your aunties. And um, and because of that, also, that's why many of them feel, I think, that they can tell you what to do. <laughs> um, and, and, and because there is that <laughs> solicited sort of, advice. Yeah. Yeah. There's that mm. sort of false sense of like entitlement because, yeah, they're just looking out for you because they're your auntie. Um <laughs> which oh my gosh, just like it, it brings me back so many times. You know, for me, the, all the unsolicited advice, all the oh my god, I just I can't. Um yeah. but yeah, and I and I really love the Ganesh Puja because of that, you know, aspect of it, but also just her kind of being slightly ashamed of this the celebration itself and her and her friend, was it her friend, her cousin, um, who said yeah, actually I thought I was like that too until I went to college. And then I realized like, it's actually kind of cool, you know, that (laughs) to have this aspect of myself and celebrate it. Um, and so that sort of awakening in her, she's not quite there yet. That of, you know, celebrating this aspect of herself that is as much a part of being American because she is Asian American. Um, I, I think a lot of us have gone through that, um, just because the dominant culture is the white culture. And so for her to realize like, no, this is just equally as an important, if not more so, because that's what makes her, makes her unique. Um, yeah. Was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And she's definitely not there yet. That's definitely a, a thread that they'll hopefully follow. In yeah. The
0: I call it the well. awakening right. with a capital A. Uh, usually happens in college <laughs> for us. You know, when you, when you start, when you take that Asian American history class, at the UC of your choice.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, she's um, a sophomore now. So
0: she's, she has two more years <laughs> of high school left. Yeah. Or, or she hasn't even finished her sophomore year.
1: We only see a portion of it. So there's many more awakenings before she even gets to that point. Um,
2: yeah. And, you know, there's still got to be the trip to India episodes and the uh, the college visits episodes. I mean, hopefully, this show will go on for years and years because it—it's. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I finished it in like almost almost a single. I finished sitting. it once. Like, it, it just went yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: this is really like one of my favorite things because I like I mentioned I love rom com so much, but I, it always feels slightly unsatisfying even though it has a happy ending because it's been rushed and we didn't get the character work. Well, here we get it, not just with one character developing over many episodes but we get it with a lot of characters and so i don't have just like one favorite i want to know about all of them uh i i i'm so looking forward to it like they haven't mentioned a season two i I think it's a no-brainer
2: well i would say we all wholeheartedly recommend everyone to watch this show you know you're in quarantine got nothing better to do it's 10 30-minute episodes. That's like five hours of your day. In one you sitting. Can, you can knock that on yeah. one evening, really. Yeah. yeah, or
1: you know what? Spread it out because that's what I did. I savored it or at least I savored it in two <laughs> sittings uh, because I just knew I was burning through it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to save the end and it was great. Yeah. It's a treat to yourself. Treat yourself.
2: Congrats to Mindy Lang and the entire crew. Uh, congrats to Matre for making her debut. Um, it's a wonderful show and everyone should watch it it's the good pop stamp of approval
0: at a at a stamp sound effect here marvin Ding. <laughs> Ding. oh pop yeah pop
2: and yeah on that note thanks uh again for joining us for another episode of good pop um, we hope you enjoyed our conversation about the new netflix series never have i ever han Jess, thank you so much again for joining us if people want to find more of your thoughts online where can they go
1: i'm at just you tweets and i'm at anonymous h-a-n-h-o-n-y-m-o-u-s
2: and you can follow me at Marvin Yeh. That's M-A-R-V-I-N-Y-U-E-H. You can follow the show at Good Pop Club on Twitter. Um, and you can subscribe to us anywhere you find podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple, uh, please give us a rating review. Uh, it would really help us out and we super appreciate it. Um, this podcast, of course, is a part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian-American community. You can learn more about our fellow Potluck Podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the new Alice Wu film, The Half of It, uh, which should be coming out on Netflix today. It should be out right now.
0: It's a good one. And it just won the Founders Award at Tribeca.
2: Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Stay safe.
3: (laughs) Kathy, Kim.
0: Steve,
1: what's going on?
3: Tell me. What do you know about K-dramas?
1: Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pods because, you know, they're bad for the environment. Uh,
3: No. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. but. Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean Drama Podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja, gotcha! Am I going to see sauna towel Buns?